I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, happy Friday to you. It's time for our mailbag questions. All of them answered 100% correctly or your money back. We got plenty on the uh, lightning in the rays today. So let's get started, Steve. All right, Michael had tweeted us. He says, does this Lightning group need to win a third Stanley Cup to be considered a dynasty? Or are they already a dynasty? Well, I mean, typically, the uh, and John Romano wrote about this the other day, the teams that are um, categorized dynasties had won, you know, like four Stanley Cups in a row, but uh, it was in a non-salary cap era. So I, I definitely think that, you know, you have to quantify what they have done has never been done before. Um now, as far as, you know, going to the Stanley Cup final three times, winning two of them, I mean, I think if they won one more, certainly a three-peat in a salary cap era, yes, they're a dynasty. I, I don't I don't know how else you would define it in a modern day. I mean, you know, some of those teams that are, that are, are considered that played at a time when you only had to win two series to win the Stanley Cup, or, you know, there, there certainly weren't as many teams, and, and, and those teams stayed together for years and years because there's no – free agency, salary cap, that sort of thing. So, you know, given what they've done with a different cast, yeah, the core has been the same. Um, and that's the genius of it really. But I, I would consider them a dynasty if they win it. I don't know. Certainly no one's done this for 40 years, gone to the finals, I think three straight times, but, and that's rare in and of itself, but to win it, they would be to not, and it's open to interpretation. I mean, you know, I could see where people would say, well, you know, they won two and they went there three times. That's pretty damn good, but I don't know that I put them in the category of some of those other teams. Yeah, since the salary cap, they're only the second team to win back-to-back championships. Mm-hmm. Now, the Blackhawks did win three in six seasons. Right, which was pretty close to being yep. a dynasty. The Kings yeah. won two in three seasons. Right. Um, definitely this run that they're on for the last eight seasons is one of the greatest well, that's in impressive. hockey history. Yeah. Yes. Six, yeah. six conference championships in eight years four Stanley Cup appearances in those eight years in the salary right. cap era, and in particular the last couple of years, a flat cap. You know, right. Traditionally, you expect the cap to go up every year, mm-hmm. and it's basically been flat for the last three years now. Right. If they win a third, they're definitely a dynasty. No doubt. No doubt. No mm-hmm. question about it. Even if, even if they were to lose this year and win a third next year, I think you could call them a dynasty. I think you could, yeah. If they make it back four straight years and they win three out of four, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You win three in a row. It hasn't been done since the early 80s. There hasn't been a team that go, go to three Stanley Cups in a row since the mid-80s, the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, depending on how you want to define dynasty, you could call them a dynasty. Right. I, a third definitely cements that. I think no, it's no undisputed question. if they win this. Yes. I, I, I don't know how else you could – because, I mean, it's just – it's not – it's salary cap hockey. It's, you know, everything has been – is different about the modern era. So to to compare apples and oranges – you have to credit them with doing this at a time when no one else has done it. You know, um, if you're the first to do something, win three straight cups in a sour cap era, you're a dynasty, in my opinion. Jeff had tweeted, he says, is this Bolts team the best sports franchise in Tampa Bay history? Yes. It's unquestionable, in my mind. I mean, first of all, they got the most trophies, right? They got three mm-hmm. championships. The Bucks have two. Um you know, the, the Rays have yet to win a World Series. They've been to two. The Rays, you know, run of success is pretty impressive, too. Just, you know, since 08, I guess you would say. Um, you know, they've been to a couple World Series. They've won, what, three American League titles, I think, three or four. Um, you know, so that's, they're among, and I think in terms of just wins, they're among the top three or four teams in baseball for a very long time. Um, so from that standpoint, they've been, they've been very successful in their remake. Uh, certainly not the, the early part of their, of their existence under Vince mm-hmm. Namoli, et cetera. So, what if, what if though, what yeah. if Tom Brady and the Bucks win the Super Bowl this year? That'd be two Super well, Bowls in three different, seasons and you went to yeah, the I think conference you have championship a different, I think year. you have, I think you have a, a parallel. I don't know that they top, 
I don't know that they top the Lightning. I mean, they would have as many world championships in as many years, right? So you'd mm-hmm. have two and three years. You didn't go to the Super Bowl last year. Um, some would argue, you know, it's, it's similar to hockey in that there's a salary cap and there's a lot of parity. And um, I would, you know, obviously, you know, there's competitive balance with the draft and free agency and things like that really hard to win and you got the greatest quarterback of all time who would be going you know would, would win number eight so yeah if he comes in here um wins two super bowls third for the franchise i think you i think you would say they're on par i don't know that they top it i mean look it it's incredible what the lightning have done in my opinion like i i said this the other day i don't know that we're going to see this in my lifetime again and in and, and maybe a lot of people's lifetime again I think this is one of those unicorn moments that, especially in Tampa Bay sports, where all three teams were competing for, you know, for for titles in their own sport there for a while. Um, doesn't look like the Rays are going to make it back anytime soon necessarily with all the injuries they got. But uh, the the Bucks do have another look at it. I mean, you know, if you look at the NFC, I, I would expect them to win twelve or thirteen games. I would expect them to be right in it with the Rams, the Packers. Um, you know, maybe another team you could throw in there. But, you know, they're going to be one of the top three teams in the NFC. And if, if the things fall right and they get a break here or there and injuries, you know, stay away from them, because that's really what it is, um, they could win it. And that would be an incredible streak. They've won 29 games in two years. You know, you and, and, and if you add, you know, 12 or 14 or whatever to that in three years, it's it's – the greatest stretch in Buccaneer history, and it's not even close. Because prior to that, they went 12 years without making the playoffs. So, yeah, uh, I think they they would be on par, certainly, um, with the Lightning. But, I I mean, I I challenge you to find any – I mean, we're, we're talking about history. We're talking about something that hasn't been done in the salary cap year if the Lightning win three straight championships. And, you know, there have been teams that have won back-to-back or, you know, two Super Bowls in three years, I think. I have to go. I think the Patriots did it. Oh, Patriots um, have definitely done it. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I think you you have to look at the context of their sport and then compare it to the context of the other sport. You know, it's hard to compare. I mean, hockey is not football. I still say, just watching the game, right? Just just from an athletic standpoint, right? Just forget about whether you like hockey or you like the NFL. I mean, the NFL is king in terms of like revenue and you know, the most popular sport in, in, in this country and so on and so forth. Um, but forgetting all that, what it takes to win a Stanley Cup in terms of effort, in terms of, you know, winning 16 games, um, the attrition, uh, the physicality, uh, you know, the travel, um, you know, just just everything that you have to achieve. You see these guys at the end of of, of one of these runs and they look like, and I'm not trying to compare, but they look like they've been in a battle. I mean, they have. They've been battling, you know, four different teams for 16 wins, and they got chunks out of them, you know. Uh, and and so, you know, any game can be decided in overtime. It's like everything becomes sudden death. So I think it's the hardest championship to win in some respects because I think there's just so much effort that goes into it. You can be a great team in the NFL – and if you get the right draw and you have a bye week, you can win one game and then be playing the next week to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, that you know you have to get the work done during the regular season, and certainly there's attrition in the NFL in in, in that respect because it is about who can stay healthy, and you know the injuries are are obviously part of the game. But um, in the NHL, it doesn't matter where you start; you got to win four series, you know. You don't have to do that in the NFL, depending on where you're seated. So, I, 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 and baseball is, is, you know, is a revenue sport. I think it's, it's hard for the smaller market teams. I think there's a, there's not parity there. Um, so if you're asking me, is it harder for the Rays to win a World Series than for the Bucks to win a Super Bowl? I'd say yes. I think it is because they're not, there's not a competitive balance there. They, they do an unbelievable job of competing with all those teams that have, larger payrolls, et cetera. And, and, you know, it's not skewed in their favor. Or even the, the playing field is not level. Um, but I just know what I see in terms of, you know, you forget these guys are on skates, man. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> they're banging in each other and they're on skates. Like 
What does it take? What do your legs feel like after an NHL playoff game, right? What does your body feel like? I mean, I can't, I can't even begin to think like what, what at, uh, at the end of a Stanley Cup run, what, what you, you know, you see, you see how deliriously happy they are, but mm-hmm. more than that, it's just a relief. Like the exhaustion on them is unbelievable. So Wayne Gretzky tells say, a story back in 83. It was the Oilers against the Islanders. It ended uh-huh. up being the Islanders' fourth straight championship. The Oilers right. were the number one team in hockey, I believe, that year. They were favored. Yeah. And the Islanders beat the Oilers to win their fourth straight. Yeah. And Gretzky and I forget who was with them walked by the Islanders' locker room on the way out mm-hmm. after the series. Right. And didn't see them celebrating. Saw them all sitting there with ice packs on. <laughs> right. And exhausted the in their locker room. And and that's yeah. when Gretzky and they realized what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. That, yes. You know, they were so tired they weren't celebrating. They were exhausted. They were too exhausted. And, and I think that's that's the thing, right? Like, um, look, I and again, I hate, I'm not making comparisons, but I played in baseball tournaments, lots of them, that went on forever. Right in American Legion ball, we had to win district, area, state. You know, go to the regional final. Like, and you get nicked up. Like, it, I mean, you're tired. You know, because I'm not a major league player. We were young guys, but we we're you know 18, 19 years old, and we're playing every day. And you know, you, you're diving for balls. You're you know you're you're getting hit by pitch. Like, you know, things happen where by the end of that, you're pretty tired, man. You're exhausted. You know. It's baseball. You're just standing around. You know, it's like, you know, when we know the pace of baseball. It's not like nonstop action, right? Football, I think, is, is on par in terms of its physicality, no doubt. Um, but there's only, you know, about four seconds per play, you know? And then you're back to the huddle. Um, and, I, and I'm not trying to compare, the, again, you know, the idea with football is to smash people. That's not the idea in hockey, although you do get smashed. So, but I don't, I can't fathom, really, just from being an athlete, I can't fathom what, what they go through physically and mentally for that matter. Because any, any play, you know, any puck comes off your stick the wrong way or you don't finish or something, your team loses. But I can't imagine what these guys go through to win a Stanley Cup. I can't. It's, it's got to be the hardest thing to win. It's got to take the biggest toll. Uh, I just know as an athlete, just what I'm watching, and what I'm watching is just you know, just incredible effort on every single every single shift. All right, David tweeted us. He said, considering Steven Stamkos's health and contributions, if the Lightning win a Stanley Cup this year, would this be his most satisfying cup? Um, I think so. I think so because he's managed to stay healthy. And he's had such a big part in, in every little thing. Look, if you're the captain of a historical run of a dynasty, you're the, you, you wear the C uh, on that lightning bolt shirt, and you win three Stanley Cups, um, particularly this year because he was there for every minute of it. And he did things, you know, we all, I mean, we've watched Stamkos. We know he can score. We've watched him. But Stamkos has become the complete player, you know, when he needed to be. And and more than that, he's become the best leader, maybe in hockey right now. And if he wins another one, then you know he's he's one of the legends of the game, because if you captain a three-time Stanley Cup team in a, in the modern era, you know a three-peat back to back to back, um, there's a reason why people followed you. And so I think we're seeing the next level of Steven Stamkos. We talked about this the other day that. That that exchange of moments there where he he gets the penalty and they you know the Rangers score to tie it up and he comes out and twenty something seconds later gets the game winner and is his second goal in a, in a game you know in a, in a in a clinching you know game clinching series or series clinching game I should say um, that's that's stuff of legends that's what that's that's what you write in the history books when you're when you're writing about a guy who won three straight Stanley Cups and how he did it and you know. I still say one of the biggest goosebump moments in Tampa Bay sports is is when he was totally injured and you know came off uh, the bench to score a, a huge goal you know a year ago and all he went through from a personal you know um, you know tragedy losing a child and I mean you know so many things that he's endured to see him come back and to see him stay healthy first and foremost but not just that but play a complete game I mean he finishes checks. 
Um, he does what he can on the defensive side. He's still one of the best power plays goal scorers in history. Uh, I, I don't know what else you want from him, but what you're seeing is leadership. What you're seeing is them follow this guy, and it doesn't seem to matter who they add to their cast, who comes in here, you know, because um, each team is different, um, whether it's Barclay, Goudreau, or, uh, you know, Nick Paul. I mean, it doesn't seem to matter. Like, the, you know, you, you've got it. The captain is the one that's going to set the tone. And, yeah, I, I think this is his great – this would be his greatest achievement to win three st- straight Stanley Cups and to be such a huge part of it in that he was there for every minute. Jerry tweeted us. He says, should the Lightning start a ring of honor like the Buccaneers to honor players like Andre Palat, Tyler Johnson, Brad Richards, or others who were instrumental to the Lightning's success but not jersey retirement level? That's interesting. I, you know, again, it might be just the difference in the sports. I mean, they don't, they don't officially retire every jersey in the Ring of Honor, although you know they tend not to hand those numbers out, <laughs> um, to say the least. So I guess in some instances they have retired the, the jersey numbers. Fifty-five won't be worn. Ninety-nine, um, but I don't know. I you tell me, Steve. I mean, I think if your if your name and number goes in the mm-hmm. rafters, that's the ultimate Ring of Honor, right? That's that's mm-hmm. the retirement. There's a lot of really great to good players like Brad Richards and others that deserve remembrance, but I don't, I don't know that hockey does that. I don't know that they have, there that. are some teams that do. So do they? the okay. lightning's 30th anniversary is coming up this season. Okay. And actually, Mary Fialo, uh, Greg Linnelli and I were talking about this, um, during game one watch party. Okay. If you know, maybe for the 30th anniversary, they start unveiling that because now you're starting to get enough players where you could, or yes. coaches and yes, uh, you know, executives that you could put in the ring of honor. I you like know, that. Now that now that you're at 30 years in a franchise, you know part mm-hmm. of it is you have to have enough players to start putting in there. Or sure, Julian sure. Breezebois, Steve Eiserman, John sure. Tortorella. You know, I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to just be players, but you need enough yeah. to put in there before you can start one of those. They've got yeah. two jerseys retired: number 26 and number four, Martin yeah. Saint Louis and Vanilla Cavier. I can think of a few more that'll be up there. This team's going to have a ton. It's going to be interesting when when all is said and done with this group. Who gets a jersey retired and who doesn't? I mean, you could start making cases: Stamkos, Hedman, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, for sure. Those four you could easily make cases for. What about an Alex Kalorn? Kalorn, Tyler Johnson, Palat, Braden yeah. Point's trending that way. I don't think he's there Braden, yet. Braden before he's done. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you know, he's trending that way, assuming he continues to perform. Sure. I, you, I mean, you can make cases for lots of these guys. To be a lot of jerseys up there from this group. <laughs> I mean, Ryan McDonough, you could make a case for. Uh huh. Um, yeah. You know, absolutely. And and then go back to the 04 team and, and some of those guys and mm-hmm. and and throughout. I mean, there's you now you could start making a case for lots of people to be in the Ring of Honor, and so maybe that's something the Lightning consider in the future. You know, I think it'd be cool. You know, something like you know what's a Ring of Honor, whatever they want to call it. But um, I, I think at some point they're going to have to do that to start honoring this run and, and all these players and, and everyone who was a part of this. John Cooper, 30 of course. Year, and, the three-decade team or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's a team or if it's a, you know, a, a, a Lightning Hall of Fame or, you know, whatever. It, I mean, you could you could, you could do, do the team hall. You could do the Lightning Hall of Fame. Like, there are teams in football that have that. I know mm-hmm. the 49ers do. Yeah, the Reds have a Hall of Fame, you know, in baseball. Right. Packers. Yeah, I mean, you know, so you could do that. I mean, you know, however you want to do it, but at some point I think the Lightning will have to, to do yeah. something to start honoring, uh, you know, just you start thinking in the 30 years the amount of great players and executives and coaches that have come through and, and done well Well, there. and you make a good point because it's hard for executives and coaches to get that recognition unless they're in a ring of honor of, of some type, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you can't begin to tell the story of the Lightning and their success without that right i mean there are statues of esposito there you know like there's there's commemorative stuff around the arena but yeah i think i think when you talk about eiserman and Breezebois and and you know tortorella and certainly john you know cooper and, and there's going to be a lot of a lot of people that you'd have to create something to to um you know to memorialize them so yeah I'm, i didn't know that that some teams had a ring of honor but i i think you're right i think there's We've rattled off plenty of names where they should get recognition, even though their their jerseys may or may not be retired. All right, the Tampa Bay 98ers says, Rick loves to remind us that players often make the Pro Bowl based on performances from the year before. Is Anthony Sorelli winning next year's Selkie Trophy with his playoff performance? 
Also, in the event that we get drunk Kucherov this year, can somebody ask him about the Tony snub? <laughs> well, I'll leave that to you, Steve, because I won't probably be in that press conference. Maybe, maybe Mary can do it. Um, okay, so hit that with me again. The Selkie, like the Selkie Trophy is given to the best two-way center. Oh, should he win it beca- yes. next year because of his performance this year? Yes, well, he finished I mean, fifth in the voting this year. Yeah, and the one- I mean it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt him. I don't know that he'll win it. He's got to follow it up. But yeah, I th- and this may be true in hockey. I know it is in football. You generally make the Pro Bowl the year after. You know, like for example, um, Devin White did not have his best year last year by far. He will tell you this. You know, there were games that he just virtually disappeared. Now he still led the team in tackles. He went from nine sacks to three and a half. And you know, as Larry Foote said the other day, you're never going to have. Inside linebackers don't get nine sacks, and so that's that's rare. Um, but there's no question that, and I'm not saying he was a bad player, but he didn't he didn't come close to making the impactful plays last season that he made the year before. But he made the Pro Bowl for the first time, and and so I think that's what happens. I think when your team goes deep into the playoffs, and Sorelli has been part of it now for what three years, I I think that you start to get that national recognition, and so. You know, he's still got to keep maintaining his level of performance um, or try to exceed it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Vassy could have won the Vesna before he did, for sure, right? Yeah, well, most definitely. I mean, you know, um, I, look, Sorelli is a tremendous two-way forward. Mm-hmm. And his playoff performance this year means a lot more people in the NHL are realizing just how good he is. Yeah. His problem is, and I shouldn't say a problem. His role the on this on team, his team. Well, yeah. his role on this team isn't to score goals, and right. so his right. his numbers aren't as high as say a Patrice Bergeron who won it this year, or uh, mm-hmm. on Alexander Barkov in Florida, or other guys who win the Selkie Trophy. Annually. Right. They tend to score more goals as well as what they do defensively. Mm-hmm. Tony Sorelli's role on this team is not to score goals. It doesn't mean I mean they'd love him to score more, of course. But yeah. you know they leave that to to Kucherov and Stamkos and, and those guys. Point. Sorelli's line's job is to shut down and forecheck mm-hmm. and keep the other team hemmed in their zone, and they've done a great job of that. They haven't been lucky this postseason to get many goals. You know, Alex Kalorn still does not have a goal in this postseason, which is shocking. Right, right. Um, now he's played very well. It's not a it's not a critique on his play. I mean, they're normally going against you know Matthews line or uh, Barkov's line or. Zabinajad's line, and they've shut them down five on five. They have the whole yeah. playoffs. I mean, that, mm-hmm. you know, even look at the top line for Colorado in Game One. They did right. a little bit, but they weren't they weren't overpowering like you've seen it in the other series. Because Sorelli's line has done a tremendous job, and so he's getting more recognition. He did finish fifth in the Selkie this year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he wins it next year unless he starts scoring more goals than what he's got now. Getting the top, and, and he three, could but, next year, but you know, yeah. we'll see. But I, I, you know, it's much like the Norris Trophy. It's supposed to be the best defenseman, but it's generally given to the best defenseman the best with the most offensive points. defenseman. Yes. Yeah, right. Typically, now I mean, Victor Hedman's good defensively. Kale McCarr is good defensively. Uh, Adam Fox, who won it a year or two ago, is good defense. I mean, they're good defensemen too. But they, but right. if you're not scoring, if you're not, if you're not uh, running point on the power play, you're probably not winning the Norris Trophy. Mm. It's just kind of the way it's become. Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, this team is loaded, and that's why they win the three Stanley Cups. And what I like about them is that they play their role, whatever that is to win. You know, there's a lot of guys sacrificing some some stats that maybe they would have with other teams, but that's what that's what champions do. You know, so he'll get his he'll get his recognition eventually. And so I'm doing this thing like I'm out every day and I'm riding my bike uh, about. 13, 14 miles and trying to get back in shape because it's not fat ball season. I come back in and I feel great. You know why? Because my AC works. But sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, it's a pain in the butt because it is so hot right now. Oh, my God. And you do not want to suffer this summer with your AC system going on the fritz. And that's, that's going to happen at some point. So prevent that by calling the experts at Air Rescue. That's right. Air Rescue offers superior service at unbeatable prices Folks, uh, your air conditioning unit is going to perform 30% better and last longer with just regular maintenance by Air Rescue. I mean, save those high costs. You don't want it to go out of business here, man. you got to have the AC. They have an award-winning team. It delivers 24 hours. In fact, they have emergency service 
24-7. You don't want to go another minute if your AC breaks down. 100% satisfaction guaranteed uh, for residential installation. They have repairs. It's family-owned. They've been in business for over 75 years. Air Rescue, get this, offers 100% financing. You're a little low on cash? No problem. They have affordable payments. Uh, It's a very easy application process. There's no administration or bank fees or any kind of extra costs with the financing. What else can you ask for Air Rescue? Call 813-612-5600 or go to airrescueflorida.com. For all your air conditioning needs, it's Air Rescue. All right. Bucks Bolts Bay Beach tweeted us. Hockey is a gro- is growing, and it seems Major League Baseball is fading. Our hockey arena is too small for the apparent demand, especially Amelie Arena. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not an expert about attendance and things like that. Um, you know, there's some genius, and you're going to see in the NFL with um, the new the advent of whatever the next generation of stadiums are, they're going to be smaller. You know, they they went through a period where you know. FedEx Field and some places were built and they were, you know, Jerry World, 95,000 and this sort of thing. You see that in college football and they have no trouble filling it. Um, What you want to do a little bit in professional sports is create demand. And how you do that is you limit seating. You don't want it too big. Um, You know, hockey, it's it's not a 100-yard field. I mean, it's a smaller, you know, playing surface, all of that. So how far back do you want to put people? I mean, this this is a team that used to play at the Thunder, what was then the Thunderdome, Tropicana Field, um, and set playoff records, I think, uh, for attendance. But uh, could you get more people in the building? Yes. Is it is it as good a uh, is it as good a viewing product if you do that and you're further away? No. Um, but more than that, you know, what about the other games? What about the other? You know, you're, you're playing what, 40-something games at home during the regular season, you want to create demand. I was looking at prices today for the Stanley Cup final game, or, you know, game three, I guess it would be, in Tampa, right, the first uh, Colorado um, game that the Lightning will play at home. And the 300-level seats, I think the lowest one I saw was $475. You know, um, you want a lower-level seat, you're going to play pay way over a you know, a thousand close to fifteen hundred dollars, twelve, fifteen hundred dollars. You're not getting that. Um, and you could say, well, if you had you know, had more seats, you can make more money. Yeah, possibly. Um when you're winning. Ma- when you're winning, yeah. And you're not always gonna be Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. You're always gonna have playoff games. So you want the atmosphere to stay constant and to do that, you you've got to have a, a reasonable expectation you can sell out that building. And we've seen, you know, Florida being what it is, whether it's the Bucks or even the Lightning at times, even when they're good, you know, a lot of their a lot of their attendance is other people rooting for other teams. You see it obviously at Tropicana Field where they sometimes can't get a very big crowd unless the Red Sox or the Yankees are in town. So, you know, even the Bucks right now, like for example, we're getting into Father's Day weekend. I saw a special being run by the Bucks to buy uh, your your dad uh, a Bucks season ticket. That's right. They still have them, okay? Um, and that's the 65,000-seat stadium. I think the average stadium in this new generation of, of NFL stadiums is going to be about 40, 35 to 45,000. That's what I expect, you know? And it's still, you know, TV pays the freight. It's still it's a product, but you keep demand high. Um, and there'll be a lot of, you, you can know, always raise prices when you're sure, winning. Absolutely. And, and you don't have to put more butts in seats if you raise the prices. That's right. It's hard to keep. It's hard to get people in the in the building when you're lousy. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I think I think that I like I think Emily's the perfect size. You know, I it, I don't feel cramped in there. I mean, there's still you know. I think it's one of the it. bigger venues in in hockey. I mean, it's the capacity yeah. is nineteen thousand ninety two. Nineteen thousand. Yeah. And they took out a couple thousand seats. Right. Ten years ago, when they put the organ up there and created the uh, the pipe area, and they created a loge, some loge boxes and things like that, mm-hmm. so they actually mm-hmm. took out some seats and reduced the capacity. Yeah, and the concourses, you know, between periods, it can be a little crowded, but not to the point where mm-hmm. you feel uncomfortable. You know, I think it's, I I love watching games there. Of course, you know, I'm in the I'm in a suite a lot, so I've I've also sat in the regular seats and I've sat in the 300 level, and I don't think there's a bad seat in the building. That's what I like about it is I can see anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and feel like I'm part of the atmosphere. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much bigger you want to get in hockey. Um, 
And by the way, not for nothing, but like they've made Jeffrey Venick some money, I think, um, these last. Now, he's put a hell of a lot of money, not to mention, you know, giving mm-hmm. away $50,000 every freaking home game to some charity. Um, but think of the number of playoff games they've had the last three years. It's just incredible. Well, two years ago, they didn't have any home playoff games. Well, so that's true. They, they actually the won a Stanley Cup they and lost screwed. money, most likely. Yeah, that's screwed. You're um, right. I forgot about that. But last year they did, and this year, of course, they, they yeah. do as well. I right, was switch to baseball, and Michael had asked, "Do the Rays need to trade for some bats to help the offense?" Yes, yes, and I don't know how you do it because I don't know. You know, it seems like you're always dealing pitching for the most part. Is there a prospect or two that uh, you know that that some other organization might want that would give you a current, you know, a good bat um, right now? You got to be looking for it. The injuries have gotten them, but even before the injuries, this team was challenged, I think, offensively. And, you know, going beyond that, if you're just looking to make the playoffs, they're going to make they, – they they still have enough probably to make the playoffs because their pitching is so elite uh, and so deep, and they're going to get some pitchers back. Um, but if you're looking to win a World Series, you know, it, it, it takes it takes more than just, you know, three or four guys – I think once you get about four or five deep in that lineup, you're looking at outs. You know, you're just looking at guys that that are just outs. There, you know, so many of them batting under 200, um, very little power. You know, some contact guys, which is okay. You know, they're not striking out, so there's that. Uh, and some guys that can run a little bit, which is great. But for the most part, there's they're just not deep enough. And then that's what happens. You get into the postseason. The other team has good pitching too, but more than that. They're going to beat you one through eight in the lineup every single night. They're, their stars are going to be stars. You got Wander Franco, cool. You got Rose, Randy Rosarena. You know when those two guys are both healthy, okay. They've shown some stuff in the postseason. Who else has done anything? You know, it, it, these last couple of years, it, it's been hit and mostly swing and miss. And I just, I mean, right now for sure, if you just look at them offensively, how challenged they are to score runs, and they're giving away runs, which is abysmal with the gloves. I mean, that's the biggest thing is like, I can't understand why they can't catch fly balls all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, last year I thought getting Nelson Cruz was, was huge for them and, and not just, you know, what he brought with the bat, but also what he did for some of the younger players. So I'd be, I'm sure they're looking for, for bats. Um, and they also, they need Josh Lowe to come up and start hitting like they expected him to when they traded Austin Meadows. I mean, they, they need some guys that, you know, are going to give them something. I mean, we haven't seen it from Taylor Walls. We haven't seen it from Vidal Brujan. Um, you know, again, those guys have struggled. They've had some moments, but they've struggled, you know, defensively more than they should have in case of Walls and offensively, both of them. And now your catching situation is is bad uh, from an offensive standpoint. You know, it, it. I I just don't know how you expect to if you make the playoffs. I don't know how you expect to stick around um, if you if you have if you don't have any more bats. I, I I'm not impressed with this group. Craig had tweeted us. He said, "With the Rays prospects struggling at the plate, like Vidal Brujan, Taylor Walls, Josh Lowe being sent down early, did the Rays overvalue them, or are they up too soon? With the defense being a tad off, it seems like they have no wiggle room for hiccups in any games. At times, six through nine in the lineup, no one is over two hundred. Well, I think part of the problem is is that you, you know you didn't want or expect necessarily Taylor Walls to be your everyday shortstop this year, you know, or third baseman or whatever or second baseman. Um, injuries have have pushed him into you know more of a he's an everyday player, and there's pressure when you get to the big leagues to begin with. This guy hit at other levels, but there's you know predominantly is his glove that they love, uh, and he struggled with that early on. But it's immense pressure. And, you know, I I just think they find themselves, you know, it's tough, man. I mean, baseball is a failure sport. And we've said this, you know, you the best player in the world is going to be out seven out of ten times. And you got to come to grips with that. I can't fathom what it's like for these guys to, you know, go up there and face major league pitching every single at-bat. And, you know, and probably not more than one or two at-bats against the same guy. So, yeah, they're, they're scuffling along. I... I don't know that they brought him up too soon. I think maybe this was not the role they intended for many of these guys to be playing. 
I mean, Vidal um, Brujan wouldn't be up here if everyone's healthy. He wouldn't even be here, right? So, I mean, you know, Low Low had his shot in the beginning of the season, and and he wasn't ready. So they sent him back down to give him at bats because they wanted him to play. Um, there's going to come a point where he's not. He's going to you know hit Triple A pitching, but you know. You, that's not the goal. You're going to have to bring him up and give him a chance to do something at the big league level and make adjustments. You know, last year, remember Franco, the way he started was not good at all. And then he made a bunch of adjustments. Um, of course, his first game was great, but then he made a bunch of adjustments. And, you know, now he's now he's kind of on his way if he can get his lower half physically okay. But I don't I, – I just think they're playing roles that weren't – they weren't intended to play in the major league level right away. Uh, and and in in the case of Bruhan and some others, they wouldn't even be here. So, you know, it's it's hard to judge these guys. Look, a lot of players go through this. You know, it, it's you come up, they don't know you, you wear it out for a little while, and then all of a sudden they got the book on you, and you got to adjust, and you got to do it every. You know, it's every single day. You're you're making up, you're you're performing, and that that's a that's a mental grind, man. It's a mental grind. I can't, you know, having played, I mean, I can remember my, and this is so like not big league, right? But like my first trip around the conference at Arkansas State, nobody knew me. It was great. And they were all throwing fastballs. And I was wearing them out for about three weeks. And then I never saw another fastball for like two years. And so, you know, which is why I'm sitting on the microphone uh, talking to you guys because you have to make adjustments. And can you imagine trying to do that at the big league level? Um, it's, you know, whatever your strength is, yeah, you're not seeing that, you know, you're just not, I mean, what do we see? Wander goes up there. What does he see? Off speed, off speed, change up curve. Like, you know, um, it's tough. I think sometimes we take for granted that, well, this guy sucks. He's only batting one something. Okay. Give him a little time. Has he had a whole full year in the big leagues? I mean, Randy Rosarena was, was a rookie of the year last year, right? He was still considered a rookie. Mm-hmm. Wander Franco, Franco finished third. Wander Franco finished third. Yeah. So these guys are literally out of the box and and did well enough. Let these other guys have a chance to you know to get you know their feet settled underneath them and and uh, hopefully settle into some roles without being pushed into the starting lineup and saying okay go get them guys every single day. I I just think it's too early to judge those guys and I think. I think Taylor Walls has made an adjustment. I think he's starting to swing the bat better. Um, he says that he's not putting as much pressure on himself as he did. He's just kind of, you know, kind of focused on see ball, hit ball. And, you know, um, some of them will, will probably come around. But, yeah, it's just, I, again, I have a different sort of perspective about it. And, and, and you know, yes, some of them are up too soon. Um, but, but you need them to play every day. And that's, that's why they're struggling. Randall tweeted, he says, I haven't landed on whether or not an automatic strike zone is better for Major League Baseball. But after the New York Yankees series game one, it was clear the ump was very impressionable and it ruined the experience. What would you think is the key to the argument for an auto strike zone? A home plate umpire still needed for plays at the plate, granting time, mound visits, etc. Umpires wouldn't lose a job, so it it would be workable with the umpires union. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um... I think the technology is good enough. I think we've adjusted, you know, the, the little box for the batting, uh, you know, the, where the strike zone is. And, and, and I'm also, let me just say this. I think for the most part, the umpires, if you sit there and chart a game, they're, they're pretty damn accurate. Like they don't miss much. And if they do, it's just a tick off, you know, a baseball or so off where the box is to begin with. There are which, sites that do track that. And yeah. most umpires are above 97% every game. Which is remarkable, right? I mean, you're talking about, like, you think it's tough to hit, right? Try umpiring with guys that have, you know, different arm angles and the ball breaks three and a half feet and, you know, they're throwing, you know, wicked uh, sliders and curveballs and 99, 100-mile-an-hour fastballs that, you know, dot the outside edge. I mean, you know, and, and the thing about a hitter is I can take a couple pitches and be wrong. This guy's got to be right on every every single pitch for both teams. Like, he doesn't get to go to the dugout and look at film and make the adjustment. Like, he's got to be right, and he's got to be right right now. And, and the guy behind the home plate kind of has to control the game. It's a hell of a lot to ask, and I'm not having a telethon for, for umpires because, I you know, a lot of people would like to do their jobs. 
but we have the technology. Why are we making these guys get, you know, second guessed and criticized in real time? The only reason we know that they missed a, a, a pitch is because we have that stupid box up there. Well, if you're going to have it up there, use it. I mean, tennis does it. I mean, those guys hit tennis balls 110 miles an hour, and if it's a hair, uh, you know, off the tennis ball, um, off the chalk, they can see it, and Cyclops replays it, and it's like, no, ball's out. Like, we, you know, the umpire can sit back there. Um, there can obviously be real-time sort of communication to him if the ball is in that zone or not. He can still make the call visibly for the crowd to see, uh, and even if the, the batter needs to know or whatever. Um, but it's a tool that I think is, I think the technology is pretty settled. I don't know why we're not using it. It, It's similar to me. This is the dumbest thing in the world, by the way. Football, okay? Billions of dollars at stake. Uh, TV contracts, right? Everything that, that you see on a Sunday. And they can't figure out how to measure a first down besides two old guys and a chain. Are you kidding me? And a credit card is it is it fit between the ball and the end of the chain? Yeah, right, exactly. Like, what are we doing? Like, what, what, what are we doing, man? It's like, well, if you put a chip in the ball, then the ball's going to weigh, uh, you know, sixteenth of an ounce. Screw it. Like, figure this out. You got to do better. You got to do better, man. You know, the guy moves the ball like a quarter of a or an eighth of an inch, and it's a first down based on where he spotted it. Just put the ball, just put, let the ball measure itself. We can do this. Um, and, and baseball has already done it. And aren't they trying this in the minor leagues anyway already? Yes, yes. Yeah. They, they, so, they do experiment in the lower levels of the minor leagues and some of the independent yeah. leagues. And I think you're going to see that they're going to they're gonna accept it and be fine with it. And it, it will, you know, the other night that umpire, like, and I know what they're talking about. You know, he had two really good pitchers on the mound who were taking full advantage of the fact that if it was close, he was calling it a strike. And did he miss some? Yes. But I didn't have a problem with it, and I'll tell you why. He did it for both sides. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's the way it is. Right? All you ask is that, okay, what's your strike zone? Okay, is it that way all day? Right? Are you, gonna, are you a low ball lump? Are you a high ball lump? Or, like, where is it? Where is it letters to knees? Is it below the knees? Just tell me, and, uh, and I can adjust. You know, j- but just be consistent. Don't call it a ball one pit, pitch or for one team, and then call it a, a strike for somebody else. That's not what he's done. I, I thought he was very consistent that way. It made it tough to hit. But do you remember when guys like Greg Maddox and John Smoltz and, and, and those guys pitched for the, for the Atlanta Braves? Mm-hmm. Did they ever throw the ball over the plate? Because I don't think they did. And I know they, they pitched quick games, and they got the benefit of the doubt every single time. And they didn't have to throw 110 miles an hour because they could paint it. And if the, if the umpire was giving them one baseball off the plate, they they look for two, and if he gave them two, they'd try to throw throw it three three baseballs off the plate, and they'd see if they could get that call too. Um, that's just the way it used to be, um, and you know now if a ball doesn't appear in that box, everybody go loses their mind. Um, I got news for you: if you get two strikes, you need to be swinging anyway. You know what I mean? Like, don't wait for the umpire to call you out. That's the way I was taught. You know, like. Hey, if it's close enough for him to call strike three, you probably put it, should have been swinging with two strikes. That's, that's just the game. So I'm a little less nuts about it. I think they do a really good job. But, yeah, we have the technology. Why aren't, why aren't they using it? I think that's where the game is headed. I think the umpires will welcome it. And, yeah, they'll still have a job, and every, everybody you know, will be in business. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cognitively Dissonant tweeted us. Said, what does MLB gain from giving games to Apple TV, YouTube? The productions are terrible, and all I saw are people angry at how bad it was. If they're trying to grow the fan base, I don't see how this helps. You gain revenue. Simple as that. Um, and I think yeah, the production you, will get better. It will. Apple I mean, TV is starting to Apple TV is starting to 
really dive into sports. They now have the MLS package for next year. Every yeah. MLS game will be on Apple TV mm-hmm. as part of a paid package, and you, no blackouts even, which is that's rare. Now, maybe MLS says they're still going to have some linear television deals, but we'll see. But right. Apple TV will get better with their productions. Uh, YouTube will too. I mean, and Amazon, we're going to see that with Thursday Night Football this year. Yeah, the whole, I mean, Al Michaels is calling Thursday Night mm-hmm. Football um, with Kurt Herbstreet. And, you know, there's, I mean, it's a huge production thing. And I get, I got Apple. I've watched the Rays play two or three games already mm-hmm. this year mm-hmm. on Apple TV. Enjoyed them. Um, I, I forget who the play-by-play is. It's, it's a female. I forget who it is. But um, the production was good. Um, the graphics were fine. Like, I looked, looked great to me. I didn't have a problem watching games on Apple. Um, I like I like like the score box and stuff to have a little more color to it. Like yeah. theirs is very just monochrome, it's generic. and yeah, I don't, it's I don't like generic. that. Like when you look up, you like to you know on the Bally's box everything. or others, it's like you could tell the Rays colors and Yankees colors when you look at the score and quickly. Yes, yes. I, I don't care for that part of it, but I mean that's that's not going to take away my enjoyment of watching a baseball and you, game. And they'll improve that, I think. Well, you know? yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's kind of the the modern design of you know simple right. and. You know what you see on an iPhone, essentially, right? Um, but you know, but that's not going to take away my enjoyment of watching a game because I don't care if the score box doesn't have enough colors or whatever to it. I mean, that's that's superficial. Well, to me. If you if you think if you're unhappy with um, pro sports being streamed, I got news for you. There's going to be more of it, not less, mm-hmm. <laughs> because these these companies like Apple uh, and Amazon they're paying a lot of money to get these games on streaming and that's where it's headed because there's revenue. Uh, and so, yeah, you're going to have to pay plop down your whatever per month for Apple TV because there's going to be, if you want to watch more games, that's what you're going to have to do. And sports is still the one product for television streaming or over the top or cable that people tune in live for. Yes. Like live programming. You may like stranger things on Netflix mm-hmm. and you'll subscribe for one month, binge it all and then unsubscribe. That's correct. Sports is I want to watch it live, and I will pay for that, and I will keep my subscription for the whole season, for the whole whatever, because I want to watch every game. Which Thursday night football game do I not want to see? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, maybe it's not the best product, but there's got to be my. You know, if you're a fan of a team, either your team or a team your team is in the same division, you're going to want to watch that game. I mean, it's the NFL is so popular. I I. You know, even games that may not look like great matchups, I always have it on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. So there, there's a ton of money, and they're making it. So, yeah, the future is here, folks. All right, <laughs> we'll end on it. this one. Yeah, we'll end on this one. It's a Bucks question. Yep. TV seventy seven asks, "Do you have Sean Murphy Bunting starting the year off at Nickelback or at a, as a starter?" Great question. I saw this um, that was sent to us, and and I thought about it. It's going to come down to training camp. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting had an unbelievable postseason the year they won the Super Bowl. Maybe he had three interceptions in four games. Uh, and he was locking some guys down, right, against Aaron Rodgers, no less. And, you know, and then that injury last year, he had never been hurt. I talked to his mom, of all people, the other day. Uh, and he had, and Sean had never been hurt in his life in sports. And he had that, you know, against the Dallas in, the, in week one, he had the, um, the elbow injury that, that knocked him out for weeks and weeks. And I think it was, you know, in addition to, like, just trying to rehab that thing and get back on the field, I think mentally it really shook him. Um, and that can happen, you know, but it's part of professional sports. It's part of sports in general. You have to learn how to overcome injuries, how to, how to get back um, you know, to 100% physically if you can, but mentally too. Uh, now, what's happened is, in football especially, you know, you shouldn't let another guy take a rep, much less start at your job, because then you give opportunity to somebody else. Jamel Dean turned out to be a pretty good player, and I think he's getting better all the time. And so, you know, it, it's going to come down to, look, most teams about 65% of the time have three defensive backs on the field anyway, so you're kind of a starter if you're a nickel corner. Uh, what I think will happen is what they've done in the past where uh, Sean Murphy Bunting will play corner and he will be a starter, I think, 
um, you know, opposite Carlton Davis. And when teams go three wide, Murphy will move inside and play the slot, and then Jamel Dean will come in and play outside. So Dean will still play, you know, to start the season, probably 60, 65% of the snaps. But it's not a, it's not a lock, you know. The other thing is you've got, you know, some other guys here like Keanu Neal, um, like Logan Ryan, they're going to factor in there too. They're safeties, but those guys can play nickel corner as well. And I think it gives some great flexibility to Todd Bowles to do a lot on that back end. You, you want to play three safeties. You want to play two corners. You want to play three corners and two safeties. There's a lot of mixing and maxing he can do. Um, but for my money and both understand that Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamal Dean are both free agents. So they are highly motivated players, uh, both of them and they're good friends. So the competition is going to be on and you know, they're going to want to try to stay on the field as much as they possibly can. I think there's, plenty of room and we saw the injuries you know wipe them both out last year at different times so first and foremost they got to stay healthy it might not even be an issue if if one or both are hurt but if they're both healthy I think it's Murphy Bunting's job to lose and I think Dean may really challenge him for it and we'll see what happens all right outstanding questions there you have it answered 100% correctly your money back guarantee going to be a great weekend for sports of course the lightning game two NHL Stanley Cup Finals at Colorado. That's Saturday night. The Rays uh, continue their series against the Baltimore Orioles, and then they come home uh, shortly after that. So a lot's going on uh, over the weekend. Thanks for listening all week. We'll talk to you on Monday. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tempe Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 